If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Good afternoon. Welcome to join us today. We're coming to you live from our studios in Kokom Limli. We're on DTT because we're free to on DSTV channel 421 and GoTV channel 125. We are your home of independent, fearless, and credible journalism. Coming up this afternoon, Nana Pierre Mensa, also known as Nam One, in court this afternoon. We have updates for you on what transpired in court. Also this afternoon, special prosecutor on earth suspicious transactions and bank accounts belonging to Cecilia Dapa as he discovers the former sanitation minister's accounts continue to receive funds from her dead brother's accounts. We have exclusive details of the special prosecutor's latest efforts to freeze suspected tainted properties of Cecilia Dapa, revealing the former minister was making millions through companies belonging to her, but registered with aliases more as the special prosecutor insists uh, she has, Madame Cecilia Dapa has not been able to prove the source of her wealth. Plus, EC boss Jane Mensa says Commission's decision to increase registration centers in Tamale demonstrates its commitment to register all eligible voters. We immediately increased the number of registration stations from two to three, and in some cases, four. We have heard of allegations from various quarters that the Commission is disenfranchising eligible voters. This is false. It is important to note that this will not be the only registration exercise before the 2024 election. We plan to institute continuous registration in all our district offices nationwide in 2020 for a considerable length of time. We have more as Jen Mensa chides Parliament for contributing to the current chaos by its failure to let the Commission's proposed CI pass. 
will be telling you more about whether Parliament will allow the CI to pass when it resumes in October. My name is Aisha Brian. We're also live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Joinings on TV. My personal handle is at Banana Aisha. Please stay for details. An Accra High Court has been hearing a case involving the embattled CEO of gold dealership firm Men's Gold. The AG slapped Nana Pia Mensa, popularly known as Nam One, with 36 counts of offences including money laundering, abetment, defrauding by false pretense, carrying on deposit taking without the requisite license. Unlawful deposit taking, among other charges. This is a reduction from the initial 61 charges brought against him. The Attorney General commenced investigations against Nam One in 2019, where he was accused of defrauding thousands of customers through his gold dealership firm over millions of Ghana cities. The case has witnessed adjournments until fresh charges were filed on August 30, 2023. The new charges come after Mr. Pierre Mensa announced plans to unlock up funds to men's gold customers after a payment of roughly 650 Ghana cities for verification. Subsequently, he reversed the decision to require former clients to purchase a verification access card in order to verify transactions and validate claims of strong backlash from customers and the public. I've been joined by my colleague Kojonya Akun, who's been monitoring events for us in court. Kojo, tell us what transpired in court today. We lost Kojonya there. He's a man monitoring uh, the proceedings in court involving Nam One. We'll try and get him back for some updates on the Nam One case. But uh, as we wait for him, let's talk about Professor of Finance at the University of Ghana, Professor Godfred Bokpin, who's lashed out at government over its reluctance to cut down on expenditure, even in the face of severe economic crisis. The conversation has come up again after the finance ministry extended an invitation to bondholders who did not partake in the previous domestic debt exchange program to submit their bonds by Friday for another round of restructuring. Government is targeting a total of 12.9 billion cities in this restructuring window. Speaking on PM Express last night, Professor Buckman express concern over the government's bloated expenditure? Um, you know, government is still spending as though there is no debt crisis. Okay, government is still living a lifestyle that suggests that it's harvest time. Uh, if you look at our approach towards our elections and all of that, it tells you that really, uh, you know, this, this approach of royals versus subjects, subjects being creditors can be treated anyhow, any way, and all of that. I think it's not good for nation building. It's not good for, for building your own uh, financial markets. And and because, see, if you look at the approach government is adopting, I mean, clearly, I mean, there's very less value actually placed on, 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 on consultation and recognizing creditors as important stakeholders in all of this. And therefore, 
it, it didn't matter much if government didn't even consult those people before even coming out with this uh, reopening and all of that when they had been exempted and all of that one would have thought that after such a painful process would we'll, we'll be moving quite quickly to bring a closure to this whole domestic debt exchange so that the country can build forward better and inclusively right because you need to generate trust okay in your financial system and and so it's a bit it's a bit concerning the way we are going professor bokman also noted that the lack of consolidated funds by the various bondholder groups to undertake a comprehensive negotiation is the reason the bondholders are unable to reach better terms with government that even with the configuration events you realize that we have to use bank of ghana's balance sheet as a balancing item so that we could make much progress towards the goal because then the, all of this thing is here towards a certain end game right uh, 2028 bring your debt to a more sustainable level so the fiscal sustainability part to it have to be very clear all right so put all this thing together then you see events that the the motive for the domestic debt exchange also was to introduce a new yield curve of below 15 percent under normal circumstance that is only possible when certain conditions uh, are, are present inflation was very high right and then the city the currency wasn't stable so you realize that the new yield curve government was trying to introduce which would have moderated our interest code because the yield curve failed so we practically abandoned that because so you will see that right after the first round of the domestic debt exchange, government tries to force down the treasury bill rate. It was essentially dragging it down mm. to align it with the new yield curve. Now, but because of where inflation was and also because of the fiscal gap, that didn't work. So now you will see that the savings that government had made with whatever risk that we had done. You, when you do the analysis, you see that even the rising treasury bill cost is almost offsetting that. We are almost getting to the point of zero-sum game, right? So, so if you put all this thing together, it tells you that even though government made some progress, government didn't get exactly what they wanted. Now, so if there's any opportunity, right, if there's any opportunity through administrative reopening for government to see if they could open those who didn't tender, government will grab that with both hands. Let me come here before I end my first admission. We are in this situation also because domestic uh, bondholders failed themselves. Why am I saying so? It would have been better, and we have said this much earlier, form a domestic creditor committee. Then you are able to look at all these things holistically, both from the fiscal side, from structural adjustment, uh, structural reform, what savings can be made, and then also from debt restructuring. So in the case of Ghana, everybody went in solely to protect themselves and to see what they could get. And then they through divide and rule and all of that. This is what, what has brought us. But Chief Executive of the Ghana Association of Banks, John Ewai, explains why. I, I can tell you efforts were made in that direction. The unfortunate thing is that the, for, for a creditor forum to be successful, you must align interest. Interest must be aligned. We had an unfortunate situation where, as banks, we knew what was at stake, particularly 
at that, at that time, uh, when the negotiations started and the discussions that we had had uh, and the kind of gap that had been opened up to us, um, the information that we did not know before. And therefore, we decided that in order to help in the solution side of things, um, we would rather work with government to have a deal that perhaps is not too good for us, but that saves the country as well. So it was a problem of alignment of objectives. We had a group that said we want to be completely exempt. And then we had a group that said, okay, we, we know there's a problem. And uh, we are a significant holder. If we on radio also saying we want to be exempt, we know that clearly we want to work with government to have a solution that um, in our words uh, works for the country. It was difficult coming together when our interests were a bit divergent at some point. Of course, nobody takes delight in taking a cut on interest from 27% to 9% on, on average. But these were critical moments, and there were a lot of moving parts. That is why we had that semblance of groupings instead of a main creditor forum to address the issues that we had at hand. So why does our debt restructuring seem never unending? Uh, Isaac Kofi Ajay is uh, with our research desk. He joins me with more Kofi. Tell me how many of these restructurings we've done so far. Well, Aisha, the finance ministry calls this current debt restructuring DDEP reopening. But per our checks and what we know, this will be the third exchange program. We know the first one ended February this year. The second one was the one that invited individual bondholders, IPPs, in fact, that's what I was supposed to say, IPPs and then, you know, those who are the pension funds to come to the negotiation table for fresh stocks. This very one, which is the third, uh, according to our analysis, will, will involve, you know, those who are holding GOG bonds, ESLA, Dache, and government is hoping to restructure about 12.9 billion uh, Ghana cities, Out almost of this. 13 uh, billion Ghana cities. Mm. But what we know is that the reason why government is at this point is because of the decision they took when they did the first domestic debt restructuring, where they had to revise the initial target from that 137 billion Ghana cities mm -hmm. to 97.7 billion cities. Mm -hmm. And as a result of doing that, if you can put this on the screen, uh, they ended up losing about $40 billion uh, Ghana cities because okay. they allowed people to convert their bonds mm. uh, to, um, how do you call it, T-bills. Some of them were also given some sort of exemption. But the IMF, they have a, a very you know, uh, interesting position mm -hmm. on this uh, DDEP. And according to the IMF, yeah. if you are conducting DDEP, there are steps that you must follow. Yeah. They say it is like performing a surgery. You only do it when it is necessary. But if you don't need it and you feel after doing it, you will not get the benefit thereof, then it's better you don't do it as well. But how is Ghana faring in terms of these laid down procedures as far as all the restructurings mm. we've taken mm. is concerned? It is, it is obvious that our case is different from the template that we are all following, the template of Jamaica, where they did uh, more or less more engagement. The whole decision was not unilateral. But in our case, you see unilateral decision. People were allowed to convert their bonds to T-bills. And IMF is saying if you are doing it for the first time, you need to do it well. 
Else, if you don't do it, well, you end up doing it over and over again. Yeah. You need to cast the net wide to include almost everybody in the mm. debt restructuring. Mm. Engage people and let them know the kind of haircuts they will be, uh, mm. you know, with the magnitude of haircuts you're going to give to everybody. But if you don't do it well, then you end up doing this, uh, inviting people to come for fresh stocks, just like the way we are seeing uh, in the statement that was issued by the finance. But this is something that has just started because mm. you had bondholders yeah. and all the other groups saying that they are not interested are not. and they will not avail themselves Absolutely. for this. Absolutely. I mean, it will be interesting in the coming days to see how government intends to do uh, this. Meanwhile, Professor Bokpin is hopeful, uh, despite the challenges, Ghana will qualify for the next $600 million tranche from the IMF. Let's now go back to court and uh, speak with our correspondent, Kojo Nyako, who is following uh, the trial of Nam One uh, for us uh, this morning. Kojo Nyako, bring us up to speed as to what happened in court today. Well, so um, Nam One was present in court as well as his lawyer, Kwame Kufu. The Deputy Attorney General led the prosecution supported by the Director of public prosecution and four others. So Namwan was seated throughout uh, the trial because we were told they have some health conditions. So all the 39 counts of various offenses ranging from defrauding by false pretenses to taking deposits without the requisite licenses were read to him. And one after the other, he pleaded not guilty to all counts. In fact, his lawyer made an argument why his client should be given bail and made a further argument as to uh, why there is deficit or there are deficiencies in the prosecution's argument. In fact, um, I have uh, with me the chairman of the Aggrieved uh, Men's Gold um, customers uh, to speak with. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. So you were in court, you listened to the ruling, you granted those to the sum of 500 million without justification. How do you people take all of this? Well, we, we believe in the court proceedings, we entitled to. Uh, the granted bill, which we are okay with. And we also like the way proceedings are started with the way the Attorney General has presented the case. And we are most grateful to the Attorney General for his intent that he makes known to the court that he is applying for a daily persecution of the case. That, for us, is a very good move from the Attorney General. And we are in support of that. Do you sincerely believe that you would get something out of this persecution that has started. Sure, from the way things are going, we are very rest assured that by the end of the persecution, we'll have justice granted to us and we'll have our money paid to us. The only challenge we face with the persecution uh, document that was presented was the disparities that were in the figures of the various individuals that were mentioned and the amount that Namwa owns to them. We want to use this opportunity to also invite our customers with their documents this coming Sunday so that we'll get the various documents and the amount and do the very uh, amendments that is required at the Attorney General's office. And then the next time, we might have the very good documents to present to uh, the, the, the court. So, I said uh, that was the chairman of the Agive Mango customers. In fact, um, the lawyer for uh, Namwan says that it was the DOG that inspected their premises and advised them to update how they have gone about their duties and the fact that uh, it was said that closed them down and but if you look at the offenses and the charges there were no offenses or charges related to sex and so that has been the 
issue uh, the lawyer for men's good has been raising. Aisha. Kojonya is a man in court, and this afternoon he's been bringing us updates as to what happened in court concerning Nam One, uh, the Nam One trial. Now, also this afternoon, there are fresh damning allegations by the special prosecutor against former sanitation minister Cecilia Dapa as the OSP goes on the offensive in the latest attempt to confirm the seizure of suspected tainted properties belonging to Madame Dapa. Listeners, Mary called the OSP seized millions of cash from the former minister and ordered the freezing of some bank accounts which had transactions of over 40 million cities in total. And Accra High Court refused to confirm the seizures and freezing order and directed the OSP to return the amounts to Celia Dapa. The special prosecutor complained and compa- complied, but it's back in court seeking to get the seizure confirmed. Exclusive copies of documents filed in court by the OSP reveal the former minister allegedly has millions of cities, which the OSP says she could not prove the source, including fresh allegations that an account belonging to the dead brother of the former minister was still sending money to Cecilia Dapa's accounts. Kukwa Sante of our legal affairs desk joins me in studio, uh, joins me via Zoom with more as we learn more of this latest efforts of the special prosecutor. Kukwa. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tell us about this alarming claim that the dead brother of Cecilia Dapa was still sending money to her. So Aisha, according to analysis of the statement in Cecilia Dapa's bank account for the top Ghanaian bank, which for some editorial reasons I'm unable to reveal, there was highly suspicious transactions involving the name of Cecilia Dapa's deceased brother, Nanakwesi's son. They said Nanakwesi's son died in January 2022 and there is no record domiciled at the financial institutions of probate or letters of administration granted to personal reps. Strangely, there are active transfers from the deceased person's bank account to that of Cecilia Dapa's bank account in Ghana. In fact, as recently as 19 September 2022 and 23 May 2023, amounts of 10,450 cities and 11,280,000 cities respectively were transferred supposedly by the deceased brother to the first respondent. The OSP makes the allegation that despite the fact that Cecilia Dapa's brother has passed on, there are some suspicious activities, including the transfer of money from his account to that of Cecilia Dapa. So the special prosecutor also alleges in his filings that Cecilia Dapa claimed to have businesses making her all those monies, but the businesses were not registered in her name. Yes, Cecilia Dapa had claimed that she owned an undisclosed and unidentifiable part of 2,860,000 cities retrieved from her residence in Abilenqui. She claimed that some of the money was received as certain allowances and revenue from a cosmetic business which he registered under the name Demacare Cosmetics as a sole proprietor. However, the OSP's investigation revealed that 
the first respondent is not the registered legal owner of the said business enterprise. The official records at the registrar of company reveals that the proprietor of Gemma Care Cosmetics is one Mariani Wua. Further investigation by the OSP revealed the existence of another business entity with the name Gemma Care Enterprise registered with the postal address of Cecilia Dapa. However, the legal ownership vests in one Victoria Deutsch and not Cecilia Dapa. The OSP says he's continuing investigation into the matter to get to the actual beneficial owners of this business. Cecilia Dapa had also claimed in part that the discovered cash in cities discovered by the OSP in a residence was proceeds from the sale of a Desmar Care cosmetic business in 2003, and that she kept the proceeds of that sale in her room. But the cash found had date on it, which was 1st July 2007. The OSP makes the case that how do you sell a business in 2003 and purport to have kept the money in your room, but the dates found on the money in 2007? These are some of the questions the OSP is asking in this latest filing before the court. What about the suspicious transactions of the former minister where she sells properties in another name but signs of using her regular signature? Yes, Aisha. The OSP alleges that Cecilia Dapa sold a Smith Boteman Estate flat under the name Nanaya Ode. Indeed, Cecilia Dapa appended her own signature on all relevant correspondence with the buyer under the name Nanaya Ode. Concerning this payment, Cecilia Dapa, through her agent, gave the buyer her bank account number. It was only at the point of payment that the bank, the agent realized that Cecilia Dapa revealed this identity to the true buyer of the house. And in fact, this amount was paid into Cecilia Dapa's account. So Cecilia Dapa used the name Nanaya Ode to sell this property, but signed her regular signature in all those documentation. And the OSP is seeking to trace that back to Cecilia Dapa to understand why exactly she will be selling properties belonging to her under aliases by signing her regular signature. But the former minister also had claimed that part of the money was made through setting allowances. Is the OSP satisfied with this explanation? Not at all, Aisha. In fact, Cecilia Dapa claimed that the various amounts stashed in 32 different envelopes discovered through the arduous search by the OSP amounting to 32,000 cities, 132,070 cities were her certain allowances. A record of the various sums sealed in the said envelopes ranged from 400 cities to 38,160 cities, most of which far exceeded the approved sums recommended for payment of public officials as certain allowances, raising suspicion as to the legitimacy of the source of this amount of money. Kwekwa Sante is with our legal affairs desk, bringing us details of the statement issued by the OSP in the fresh accusation of former sanitation minister Cecilia Vapa. Let's get on to other stories. Pressure group Fix the Country Movement has announced plans to picket the Jubilee House on um, convener for the Fix the Country Movement, Oliver Bakavoma, is actually calling on Ghanaians to join in the upcoming uh, Julobi demonstration and picketing at the Jubilee House starting this Thursday. In a press conference this morning, Mr. Voma said the deteriorating conditions in the country and the unresponsiveness of the government to previous concerns have made it necessary to organize this demonstration. He empathized that it was necessary for Ghanaians of all stripes 
to mobilize collectively in order to bring about change and demonstrate uh, that it was possible to use constitutional means to hold the government accountable for its actions. All right, so we've been joined by HHC who is there for us. Uh, what more can you report from this press conference, H.A.? Uh, thank you very much. They've been speaking on a number of issues. They've talked about why they need to do this demonstration again. It's about a tenth one they are doing. Uh, they've enumerated a number of reasons, escalating cost of living, the increasing instances in corruption. They've talked about the debt situation, and they also believe that there is a rise in the depletion of public funds. And so these, these are the core reasons. But uh, they've also tried to emphasize the reason why they are using the Jubilee House. And uh, they've, they've mentioned that there's some symbolic significance, the visibility that it draws, and that they do want to increase the pressure on the government to be able to, uh, to address the concerns that they've shown over time. And so um, this is what they are speaking on. Uh, one of the things that they've been very clear in saying is that they do want a lot of Ghanaians to join in this demonstration, that they believe in the transformative power of the collective ability of Ghanaians uh, to, to be able to bring about change. And, and uh, if you look at it within the context of what is happening within the sub-region, they've said that this would show that uh, Ghana's democracy is striving, that it is possible to organize a very peaceful resistance to the government in order to bring about constitutional change. All right. So that's HS Kanko with uh, some more details from their press conference uh, by the Fix the Country being addressed by the convener, Oliver Bakavoma, where he says they will be in... Um, they will be embarking on a demonstration, Julobi demonstration. He's asking Ghanaians to join this course at the Jubilee House. Let's get on to uh, electoral commission matters because chairperson of the commission, Jin Mensa, says the outfit's decision to increase registration outlets in Tamale demonstrate the commission's commitment to ensure all eligible voters are captured on the national roll. The EC has come under intense criticism over its refusal to decentralize the registration process from its district offices. In particular, the Tamale Metro Office of the EC had been fraught with faulty kits, long queues culminating into a very slow process. Addressing journalists, however, Jen Mensah explained that following discussions with Tamale North MP Harun Idrisu, the Commission increased the registration centres in Tamale and will continue to do so in other places when the need arises. We immediately increased the number of registration stations from two to three, and in some cases, four. Faulty kits were also swiftly replaced with spares that were available in the region. And so, for instance, in the Tamale Metro office, we experienced issues with the kits sent there, resulting in a registration figure of four voters only on day one. We quickly stepped in and replaced the faulty kits, and the registration is going on there seamlessly. Additionally, to do with the long queues in the Tamale Metropolis, we have increased their registration stations from two to four. And I'm happy to note that on Saturday, they recorded a high of 269 registrations and 410 on Sunday, the 17th of September. I share these examples to demonstrate that as a commission, 
We are on the ground and working around the clock to ensure that every eligible voter who is deserving of, who is eligible to register or who is, deser who is desirous to register as a voter does so with ease. We have heard of allegations from various quarters that the commission is disenfranchising eligible voters. This is false. Speaking on the EC's proposed CI, the commission says parliament is partly to blame for the commission's struggle to decentralize the registration process as the failure of the House to pass its new CI has left the commission in a very difficult position. As you are all aware, the Commission prepared a draft CI for continuous registration in all district offices nationwide. This initiative started last year. And the registration we were envisaging under the draft CI was for a sustained long-term basis. Indeed, had the CI passed, we would have had some six months this month, this year, to register voters at any time of their choice. And i like to repeat it, that had the CI passed, we would have had some six months to register voters at any time of their choice. Parliament is expected to consider the EC's proposed CI when it resumes from break this October. But ranking member on Parliament's Constitutional, Legal and Parliamentary Affairs Committee, Bernard Ahiafo, says Parliament will not pass the EC's CI if it does not accommodate their request of adding the guarantor system. Percentage of Ghanaians have Ghana Let's alone to talk about those who turn 18 and those who have not uh, uh, been registered as voters. So we realize that the new EI will be causing more harm to Ghanaians than good. There is nothing useful in the new EI. The only thing being introduced by the new EI, I maintain, is the amendment of Revolution 1 to limit the source documents, which were three, in line with the Supreme Court decision in the case of uh, uh, Abu Ramadan. He has the constitutional right, as the discussion, to determine the number of days, number of weeks, and number of months that a continuous registration exercise is supposed to be conducted. So her inability to do it for a longer period cannot be attributed to the non-passage of the new PI. That, I maintain, is an intellectual uh, uh, dishonesty. Uh, so, secondly, we parliamentarians not prepare budget for the EC, but we approve budget for the EC. If the EC were to be saying that she has prepared budget to conduct limited registration in an electoral area basis, the Parliament has not given an approval that it has a point. But without saying so, then I do not think Parliament of the Republic of Ghana stands to be blamed for the inability of Madame Zementa, the chairperson of the EC, to conduct limited registration for, for, uh, based on electoral areas. Why? Parliament will not let it pass. So long as it limits the source document 
the only Ghana card. Parliament must not let this EI pass. Best alive on Joy News today. We'll take a break. When we return, we'll bring you all you need to know in the world of business. Hello, my name is Abeiku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still the job better with EcoBank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of Ecobank. Download Ecobank Mobile from Google Play Store all the store and discover the smart way to bank echo bank the pan-african bank mom so kitty rice contains 12 vitamins yes 12 essential vitamins that growing bodies need so grow healthy and strong and smart absolutely Kidivite Multivitamin Tonic contains all the essential vitamins and nutrients needed for the healthy development of children from age 1 to 12 years. Also available, Kidivite Multivitamin Drops for babies under 12 months. Grow strong, grow healthy with Kidivite. Distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. of the illegal mining craze. Babies are being born, deformed. Their formation stages interrupted by poisonous minerals exposed by illegal mining. The baby is deformed, you can't find the sexes of the baby. The placenta had a lot of mercury and lead. But those who seek gold continue to expose the toxins that nature wants hidden. Cadmium, lead, copper, mercury, they are of alarming concern. Why you bring it up there? They are mobilized into our water bodies, and that is where we get exposed to them. The country's water bodies have become lifeless. Across Ghana, they flow like a plague, polluting the sea with a venom of illegal mining. You need about 10 to 15 micrograms per in your blood and you are in trouble. In this documentary, Irasto Sosoridonko and his team investigate how silently Ghanaians may be poisoned for gold. Poisoned for gold, coming soon.
Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the business segment on Joy News Today with me, Pius Kojobaka. Economist Dr. Ishmael Yamsen has criticized the government for ignoring all the signs showing that the economy was collapsing in 2022. According to him, government was aware of the dire consequences that overborrowing could have on the economy. He advised government must take prudent steps to bring the economy to full recovery. He was speaking at a public lecture to mark the fifth anniversary of Academic City University College. Academic City University College, as part of its fifth anniversary, held a public lecture on empowering youth towards a safe and secure future. According to some speakers, Ghana's economic situation is as a result of a blatant disregard for ethical leadership. In an interview with Joy Business, economist Dr. Ishmael Yamsen said government must accept its mistakes and steer the economy back onto the right path. Since the issues were known, and, and I don't think anybody can ever say that they were not aware of the issues facing the country and the likely consequences. So what they should have done, simply understand the implications of those issues, clearly, clearly, and with honesty, determine what they can do to change the course of what they were doing. I think the biggest risk was that they refused to accept that things were not going in the right direction. Even when the signs were all over the place. So that is what I think that we should do differently going forward. You must be honest enough to accept because we are human beings. We can make mistakes, things can go wrong. The important thing is, when you make a mistake, you accept it, you change it, and you move on. The danger is when we refuse even to accept that there is a risk. Then you will refuse to do something about it. And the consequences can be dire, whether you are an individual, a country, or an institution. President at Academic City University College, Professor Fred McBagonlory, on this part indicated that SAFIT is committed to nurturing leaders that would help solve complex societal issues. Academic City has taken the lead in transforming tertiary education in Ghana and beyond by embracing a STEM-focused curriculum, cultivating an entrepreneurial spirit among its students. The institution is engaging and equipping the next generation with tools they need to address the complex challenges complex challenges and to drive innovation across various sectors. The topic for this public lecture could not be more appropriate, empowering the youth for the future. The role of education in preparing our youth to navigate the complexities of the future cannot be exaggerated in a world characterized by rapid change and unprecedented challenges. In these difficult and challenging economic times and uncertainties in our sub-region, the need for a redirection cannot be overemphasized. Dr. Ishmael Yamsen received an honorary leadership award for fostering collaboration between the public and private sector to contribute to economic growth. Jesse Area Magbakos reports for Joy Business. Some operators in the car rental businesses are bemoaning lack of regulatory framework within the industry. The players explain that the sector lacks adequate data to drive effective policies 
Founder of Wupeka Ghana, Yusuf Seidu, called on the association to implement policies capable of driving positive growth. The global car rental market is expected to register a compound annual growth rate of 7.5% during the forecast period from 2019 to 2024. But in Ghana, there are a lot of issues confronting the sector ranging from increased operational costs which have hindered the growth of the market as consumers deter from the option of choosing luxury cars and end up for more economic and cost-effective cars. I think one, one of the biggest concerns in the industry is, is the lack of data. Um, the lack of data about the industry. Um, there isn't enough data available to actually understand the amount of like opportunity in Ghana. And that is one of the, the gaps that Wopeka is actually look, looking to bridge. In addition to that, um, the lack of an online presence for a lot of the small to medium scale car rental businesses that you see when you're driving on the streets. You always see their cars parked along the streets. They have no way of like getting any type of reach. Um, to potential customers through online platforms. A boost in tourism sector is one key market trend that may contribute to the growth of this sector. And these players are expecting a positive outlook for the subsequent years. For Joy Business, James Eshen. And that's it for business. I am Pius Kujubaka Sports is next. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S Hi, Larry Elder here. I never really thought much about how aches and pains can reduce a person's quality of life until pain started keeping me from living my best life. Just a few years ago, using the stairs was difficult because of the back pain. Then I found Relief Factor, a 100% drug-free solution for aches and pains. Within a week, I was on my way back to being pain-free. Now I have my life back. I take Relief Factor every single day. Relief Factor can help your body fight the inflammation that causes joint and muscle pain and the other aches and pains that come with everyday life. Treat yourself to feeling better. Move more, live more, and just enjoy your life more with Relief Factor. Join me and more than a half a million others. Get started today with your three-week quick start for only $19.95. About 70% go on to order more because it worked for them. Go to relieffactor.com to order now. That's relieffactor.com. Feel the difference with Relief Factor. relieffactor.com. Trust me. And that's your sports for now. We do have more sports stories on myjoyonline.com. And uh, also at 2 p.m., one of my colleagues, Nathan Atok Kamshowe, will be speaking to the lawyer of Mr. George Freer as they prepare documents to go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and also at the Accra High Court to put an injunction on the GFA elections. Up next is World News.
fifth of the babies who come in will end up dying. This is impactful journalism. The storytelling that stretches your imagination and shines a light on the underreported issues. Normally, if you talk, that is change people. Let them see it. This is impactful journalism. It is fearless, independent journalism that reshapes thoughts and crushes stereotypes. But I had no more strength in me again. The person must be made to know that what you have done, yes, it would have deserved murder. This is impactful journalism. It provides context and meaning to the different perspectives. Children are born with sin. And therefore, if you don't baptize them and they die as children, then they will go to hell. This is funny. This is impactful journalism. It provides context and meaning to the different perspectives. Joy News Hotline Documentaries, compelling stories, changing the status quo. Let's now check out what's making headlines elsewhere. Military helicopter in Kenya crashed overnight while on patrol in the coastal country of Lamu, killing all crew on board. It went down in the Boni Forest, an area that straddles the border with Somalia and from where the Somali militant group Al-Shabaab has staged deadly attacks. The Kenya Defense Forces has not indicated how many people were on board the helicopter when it crashed. However, some media reports have said that at least eight people died in the incidents. The crew and other military personnel on board were part of an air surveillance squadron intensifying day and night patrols and surveillance for the ongoing operation Amani Boni. That is it for World News. Up next is Showbiz. Everyone has a story. At the water time, I decided uh, to stop the music. <laughs> a story of that unique place that gives them a vibe.
Well, you're still on uh, Join News today, and this is the showbiz segment. And there's still controversy surrounding Nigerian musician Mobas Demite, and a lot of stories have popped up. But yesterday, the police, together with the parents, met the media at a press conference and announced that they're going to launch an investigation into the death of the musician to see exactly what happened to him, and if any perpetrators are found, they will be brought to book. This is what happened at the press conference. All facts, including videos, including personalities that have been mentioned, including those not even mentioned as that we do know from our homicide uh, investigation experience will be vital to protecting So I don't want to reduce it to a specific name at this moment. Let's proceed with the investigation and as we have needs to identify individuals, which will be wider, will be pick on whoever we believe from investigation is linked, and will encourage such a person or bring such a person to give the details of your law. And from Nigeria, let's get uh, focus our attention onto the foreign front anti-pain who came to the limelight with his song, Buy Me a Drink, that got made him a global phenom. In an interview saying that he is not making any money from the track or from the record, Buy Me a Drink, because lyrical content he used in the song, he is now paying royalties for the monies that are coming in for that track. Well, this is what he said. I looked up the publishing on Buy Your Drink. It is crazy. Bro, like publishing-wise, I probably get like no money from Buy Your Drink. So all those things that I said in Buy Your Drink that was from other songs, when Buy Your Drink like blew up, blew up, all them people and writers from them other songs said they were owed <laughs> from my song because I... <laughs> You're like... <laughs> I was like, what the... <laughs> I was like paying homage and... <laughs> So, like, yeah. money in the bank. I got money in the bank. And Scrappy and his writers came for that. Oh, snap your fingers. Do your step. Lil John and E-40 oh, and everybody on that song came for me. Walk it out. Mente has a credit, too. Yeah, Yeah, walk it out. Monte got a credit on that. I was like, God damn. What's going on? It's our money in the bank. <laughs> And that is all for showbiz. The name is Ibrahim Ben Bako Aisha. And my name is Ibrahim. That's my father right there. <laughs> and that's how I wrap up the bulletin this afternoon. Log on to myjohnline.com for more of the news and updates of all the developing stories. Do enjoy the rest of our programs. From farm to plate, do you really know what you're eating? 
Any glitch in the circuits of the food chain can change the price and size of what 